1: From KMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Bar Sports Open Line. Those mid swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. bar your distributor for electrical and datacom needs. Here we go. Now, Matt Pauley on America Sports Voice,
2: KMOX. All right, man, let's get going here. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go.
1: And a pleasant Friday night, not Matt Pauly. It's Joe Pot in for Matt Pauly here tonight as uh, Matt gets a little break after spending some time down in Nashville covering the winter meetings, keeping us all updated with what uh, was going on. As it turns out, the Cardinals uh, doing a little bit uh, post-winter meetings, doing that this afternoon. In fact, the Cardinals and the Blues both – making deals this afternoon. So we will uh, get into both of them. Uh, Don't have a chance. We won't have a chance. I should say really to get to a blues guest with that. They literally faced off 10 minutes ago in Columbus. So when they're playing an early game like that, tough for us to get uh, any kind of blues expert on. So we'll just tell you that they have sent uh, Robert Portuzzo to the New York Islanders for a seventh round draft pick. Uh, Interesting thing about robert portuzzo there's only been 16 players in franchise history that have played at least 10 years with the team and he's one of them uh he came over from pittsburgh in a 2015 trade with the penguins 424 regular season games uh 54 points and 320 penalty minutes in those uh 424 regular season games 42 penalty minutes three points in 47 postseason games Of course, he was part of that cup run in 2019, and again, not many uh, players that have spent 10 seasons in a Blues uniform, one of just 16. So that is uh, what the Blues did this afternoon. That was 3.30 or so this afternoon, Uh, and again, they're on the ice right now. They just got started. They're a couple of minutes into play at Columbus tonight as they try to pick up some points, they are sixth in the Central Division, but they also are just a point out of fourth because Nashville uh, and Arizona right above them in the Central Division just a point ahead of them, so they've got a chance to to move up. Central Division is really tight, especially outside of the top of the division, so they've got a chance to pick up some points. They go to Chicago after this, and they'll play the Blackhawks on the road before they come home for an actual uh, homestand, which it feels like they haven't had forever but they'll play at Chicago tomorrow. That's a seven o'clock game, and then they've got Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday back at home. Red Wing Senators, and Stars in town at the Enterprise Center. So it, it just feels like they have not had an extended homestand. They're finally going to have an extended homestand coming up after this. It's just a matter of what they can do here in these couple of games here. Blue Jackets are not very good. They've actually uh, they're on uh, quite the losing streak right now. Uh, as a matter of fact, as they come into this one, their last win came on Friday. They've lost three straight since then. They lost an overtime game against the Kings, uh, and they lost a 7-3 to game last time out against the uh, Islanders. That was on Thursday, and I believe they have just scored, and they lead the Blues 1-0 uh, less than three minutes into that game. So the Blues have given up another early goal. That was one of the things that Craig Barubi said this morning after morning skate. I was listening to a little bit of, what he was saying and he was talking about specifically that Columbus is a quick-starting team. They are a very fast-starting team. The Blues have to be good, but they have to start fast. And here tonight, they're down one nothing after, uh, like I said, like three minutes in that one. There's 16.50 to play right now in the first period. And they're down a goal already to the Columbus Blue Jackets. So that's trade number one. Trade number two came down probably not quite two hours ago. It was... I don't know, 430-ish when John Heyman started reporting that Tyler O'Neill was on the move, and it, as it turned out, he was indeed. The Cardinals sent Tyler O'Neill to the Red Sox. They have uh, acquired two minor league right-handers. No, nobody, I wouldn't even call them prospects right now because that's not what they are. Uh, Nick Robertson is the most viable get in this uh, return from the Red Sox. 26 years old, 25 years old, rather, He's a right-hander, 6'6", 265 pounds. He did make 18 appearances in the bigs last year. The one thing that he is and the one thing, uh, the big thing that the Cardinals certainly want uh, him to be is a strikeout guy, and he has appeared to be a strikeout guy thus far in the bigs anyway, 22 innings last year, 26 strikeouts, Um, looking over some of his others. Uh, looking at fan graphs, his fielding independent ERAs was 388 last year compared to 604, uh, his ERA, standard ERA at the big league level. So gives you an idea there uh, of what he can do, what he's capable of, and he's and he's young, uh, and again, a strike thrower, a strikeout-type pitcher. So I think that is really the uh, return there for Tyler O'Neill. And when you think about it, there wasn't a lot maybe I think that the Cardinals were going to get for Tyler O'Neal, for a lot of reasons, right? First of all, not the least of which being that over the weekend or over this past week, uh, John Moselak made it very clear, basically, that the Cardinals were looking to move Tyler O'Neill. When you do that, uh, you certainly reduce the leverage you have in any of those type of deals, um, and that kind of happens. The other thing is, since uh, after 2021, which was the breakout season for Tyler O'Neill. Uh, and I'm right there. I fully admit that I was kind of 50 50 on Tyler O'Neill. 2021 came on and I was all on board, all on for him. 138 games that year. He finished eighth in the National League MVP award voting, 34 homers, 80 RBIs. Uh, he had an OPS that year of 912. Again, 138 games. Well, since then, he's played 96 and 72. So you're basically talking about missing half of each of the last two seasons because of injury. And I think that's the biggest reason that you're not seeing a larger return for someone like Tyler O'Neal. Um, so what you have gotten is you have freed up the space in the outfield as John Mozeliak has repeatedly told us that they want to do with it already being crowded out there already, especially if you're going to move Tommy Edmond out there as a full-time outfielder so that you have – Walker and Edmund and Nupar. You still have Carlson, so you have a logjam there. With Tyler O'Neill. that makes that even worse. We saw that all of last year, though, uh, of course, admittedly, not everybody was healthy for all of last year. In fact, nobody was healthy for all of last year, is probably more accurate to say. But they've done that. They've also freed up the money that they would spend on Tyler O'Neill, And now I think the will you find out how good this trade was or what their turn was by what the Cardinals turn it into. So if they go out and they spend this money and they get something that uh, is going to help them in the big leagues or going to help them specifically in, uh, in the bullpen, then I think you can say that this was a fine deal. And again, I just, I'm not sure what you were going to get for Tyler O'Neill, knowing he's missed the last two uh, half of each of the last two seasons and you know John Mozeliak said as much earlier this week is he going to get MVP votes again yeah there's a good chance that he could get back to that 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 the potential is there for him to be that but it's hard to take i don't think that you're you're risking too much by moving Tyler O'Neal at this point I, i'm not you know i i know that there's some trepidation there because of other moves because of Rosa Reina because of things they've done in the past i just i don't i don't find that to be the case with Tyler O'Neal i think that You've kind of figured out what Tyler O'Neill is and, more importantly, what he isn't. And maybe what he isn't is a guy that's going to play 130, 140 games a year. He just he doesn't appear anyway that that's going to be the case. So that's the move the Cardinals made. We are going to get into that. Uh, we can get into that with several of our guests tonight, as a matter of fact. So Lynn Worthy's up in our first uh, next segment, I should say, from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. We're also going to talk to Daniel Esteve from Fox 2 News. Uh, Fox two sports. He's coming up at the end of this six o'clock hour. And in the seven o'clock hour, we'll talk to uh, Bob Ramsey, of course the Billikens broadcaster, but he can get into some Cardinal stuff and we'll do that with him. And we'll talk some St. Louis city as well with Jen uh, cease in our final uh, segment of the seven o'clock hour. It's all coming up. Lynn worthy on the other side of the break. I'm Joe pot in for Matt Polly. It's sports open line on a Friday on camel X. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Those mid swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Joe Pot in for Matt Pauley on this Friday night. Sports Open Line continues here on KMOX. Glad you're along with us as we continue to talk uh well, we're going to uh, pick up the baseball talk a little bit here as we welcome on to the program, Lynn Worthy. He is the uh, one of the Cardinals beat writers with uh, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, STL Today, L. Worthy Sports. You can find him on uh, X, formerly Twitter. Lynn, thanks for some time here on a Friday night. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, and, of course, uh, when we set this up, didn't realize we were going to have uh, an eminent deal here to uh, chat about, but we do indeed as the Cards are sending Tyler O'Neill to Boston for a couple of right-handers, I was just saying before the break that I don't know what else you can expect back uh, in this situation for Tyler O'Neill. Um, I, you know, really, what they're getting is Nick Robertson. It's a, it's Victor Santos is a toss-in for the most part. But I mean, do you agree? This is this is basically what we should have expected to get back for Tyler O'Neill.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, if, if you were expecting to get more, then you probably would have had to wait. And, you know, the problem is, is it, you know, what I mean, in theory you wait, you you know, he, he gets some playing time, he plays well, maybe you can bolster his value. But the problem with that is that he, they basically had already said he wasn't going to get the playing right. time. They'd already, that ship had sailed. Um and because of the injuries last year and you know, he missed I think it was sixty three games with the back injury, he finished the season on the aisle with a foot injury. Um, it just was uh, they they basically came to the conclusion it was time to move on and they got what they could get for him. Um, you got two upper level pitchers. I mean, um, you know, one who made his major league debut this year and the other um maybe might have. Santos was Injured um, in spring training. He was in big league spring training with the Red Sox, was injured, um, and uh, now been pitching in um, winter ball. Um, but um, So if he hadn't missed pretty much the whole season, then maybe he would have made his uh, major league debut. But, I mean, it wasn't like they were doing A-ball pitchers and guys that are just sort of lottery tickets and see if they ever make it. These guys are at least higher-level guys. So, um, yeah, it's probably about as much as you could have expected at this point.
1: Yeah, I certainly feel like uh, Robertson can be something. Is uh, his strikeout uh, rate is good? He's a fastball guy. He's a big right hander. Um, I'm, I'm, I think Santos is obviously a much um, lesser known product. So in that regard, I think that you know, like I said, I think they got what they wanted. I mean, Santos was a, a minor league free agent um, that was just signed by by Boston recently. So I don't know. I mean, I guess time will tell what what he becomes to you. The other thing, though, that you get by moving Tyler O'Neill, the the space in the outfield, obviously, that that John Moselak has been telling us, they need to clear room in the outfield. They need to to clear some of that. You still have basically four outfielders if you're considering Tommy Edmond in the outfield, but they clear up at least some cash that you were going to spend or that you expected to spend on Tyler O'Neill that maybe now can become another bullpen arm, right, or something else that they can do. Within this off season,
5: yeah, if nothing else, it's it's flexibility. It's you know whether that becomes um, you know uh, some sort of um, salary room uh, room for salary that they take on through a trade or if it's a free agent signing. um, It just gives you a little bit of flexibility, Um, and I think the major part is just you know I mean like you were like you said if if you held on to them you're gonna have to pay them. he wasn't going to get the playing time. He wasn't going to be that a real factor for you. It was just going to create that log jam in the outfield. And and last year, um, the log jam in the outfield really proved to be a, a problem early in the season, um, which really kept multiple guys from getting on track. So um, overall, there really wasn't a whole lot of upside, um, especially since they had already made the decision that he wasn't going to be one of their main guys in the outfield. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, I mean, but there is that added bonus of, you know, you clear a little bit of salary room and then maybe that gives you some flexibility for moves to come if they decide to, um, you know, take on a little bit more.
1: Lynn Worthy with us here from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, one of the Cardinals beat writers uh, with us here on Sports Open Line, Joe Podin from App Pauly. Uh, do you have any kind of expectation of what uh, comes next for the Cardinals? Do you think they... Uh, will be in on on any kind of trades or is it something that they're going to keep pursuing the free agent market what's your feeling on what's coming
5: Uh, i don't have a good sense of you know one or the other i think the last check when we were out in uh tennessee for the uh, winter meetings they were looking at both tracks and it didn't seem like one was um more likely than the other as far as picking up a relief pitcher now obviously with uh the O'Neal trade, they do pick up uh one reliever uh potentially in that deal. Um I wouldn't be surprised if they still continue to to look at that uh relief market um as things unfold here um you know throughout the, the winter because there really hasn't been a whole lot of movement on uh pitchers, but it's starting to get there. We're starting to see some more. So I wouldn't be surprised if they add another reliever. Um definitely would not be surprised if it's through free agency. Um I think they'll still keep looking to see what's out there as far as trades, but I'm I'm not necessarily expecting um you know anything in particular I think the the big move was going to be clearing up that outfield and you know he'd already declared that they were going to move o- O'Neill. and uh the fact that he mentioned him by name and said it right. multiple times and at the winter meetings made you think that it was probably getting close cuz it was you know, it, it, you assume that that was the signal, like, okay, they'd already had some discussions and by him basically putting it out there and putting the for sale sign on them that okay, okay whoever might want to get in on it, come to the table with your best offer because they're probably going to move on it. So um, that move being done, I'm not sure that there's um, another player that's, you know, at the top of the list that they will move. I mean, I know there's been talk about, uh, interest in, um, you know, Dylan Carlson, but I think he's going to f- most likely be staying put because that gives them the insurance as uh, the uh, other center field option if they have to move Tommy back to the infield for some reason or something happens with Tommy. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if there's anything imminent, but I think they'll probably explore
1: both tracks and I wouldn't be surprised if they had another reliever. Lynn, do you like the moves they've made with regards to the starting rotation with the three guys that they have acquired already? I think um, I think if nothing else, what it did,
5: especially the fact that they got it done as fast as they did, and it sort of gets, um, I guess, in some circles, maybe gets a little overlooked, was by adding those three as quickly as they did and being able to say, all right, if you have all your spots and your rotation potentially filled, um, it gave them the flexibility to go look at other deals because I felt like, if uh, At least when I say flexibility, I really should say leverage. Because if, you, if you're going out looking on the trade market or even the free agent market, and whoever you're dealing with, an, an agent or another team, knows that they've got you over a barrel because you've got these spots to fill and you don't have internal options, then then you're sort of at their mercy a little bit and the price tag maybe goes up and maybe you have to give up something that you don't want to give up because you don't have options. But by putting those three pitchers Experienced pitchers who are innings eaters in place, they can go forward with that, and they can also explore other changes. But you don't have, you know, you don't have another team sort of um, holding you hostage because they know you have to get another starter uh, and forces your hand on something. So, I think that they're, you know,
1: at least a better spot if they want to add, and they can go forward with the group that they have. I I like that point a lot. I really like uh, the way you kind of laid that out because it is true that if, if you get to, you know, if we, the closer we get to spring training, if, if everyone out there knows that you still are short a rotation arm or you're still short, whatever the situation is. Yeah. The leverage is zero. So I, I like that as well. Um, yeah. I'm not, I I'm fairly satisfied to be really honest with what they've done with the starting rotation. And I, I don't know that they're done. I mean, uh, so I'll be interested to, kind of watch and see what happens next. Um, I appreciate you taking some time on a Friday night. And as I said, I didn't know we were going to pop up with a with a trade right before we went on air, but uh, that makes for some better conversation. But it's uh, great to catch up with you, talk a little bit about this offseason, and I'm sure we'll get a chance to do it again before uh, spring training comes along. All right. Well, it's my pleasure to join you. Thank you so much. That's Lynn Worthy with the post Dispatch. At L worthy sports is where you can find him on X formerly Twitter and appreciate him taking some time, talking some Cardinals baseball with us here on a Friday on sports. Open line, Joe pot in for Matt Pauly coming up in our next segment. We'll talk all kinds of sports. We'll run the gambit with Daniel Esteve of Fox two sports. We'll talk a little St. Louis city. We'll talk some Mizzou. And uh, we could even uh, toss around the trade a little bit. We'll do that when we come back. He's coming up next. Joe Pot from App Pauly. Sports Open Line continues after this on Camel X.
6: Tekovas is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tecovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tecovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit Tacovas.com. that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com and point your toes west.
7: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward.
1: Sports Open Line continues here on a Friday night. Joe Pot in for Matt Pauley, And we continue our sports talk with, uh, well, I I mentioned it before the break, but someone who I think we can talk a bunch of uh, topics with, and that is Daniel Estebe from Fox 2. And, Daniel, it's good to catch up and chat.
8: Joe, it's always good
1: to chat, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, No, thanks for doing it. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, So much that we can get into here. And I want to get into a couple of things. You know, I was talking last segment with uh, Lynn worthy about the Cardinals trade, of course, that they just sent Tyler O'Neill packing to Boston for a couple of relievers. He was a little higher on the relievers than I think that I am. I think Nick Robertson can be something. I don't know really what Victor Santos is. I don't know that the Cardinals know what Victor Santos is yet. Um, I want to bring up another potential trade and this one involving St. Louis city. SC that we had heard Might be going down, Jared Stroud and Lucas Bartlett going to D.C. for Chris Durkin. Uh, What do you know about said deal, or if it is a deal?
8: Yeah, so some of the reports coming out suggest it'll be Lucas Bartlett, Jared Stroud, and Cash in exchange for Durkin, and and it really makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, you had Indy Vasilev playing as a DM at some point of the season last year, and he's himself... Said he'd prefer to play forward. So, just adding some solidity to that midfield, you know, not having to throw an 18 year old Miggy Perez into a midfield, um, at least at this stage of his career, is certainly something you want to you you get done. And in terms of the actual decision to bring in a guy like Durkin in, we were actually going through some file footage of Durkin yesterday here at our Fox News studios. And sure enough, we found some of his time with a youth national team. And who was coaching him? john hackworth the director of coaching for st louis city sc so naturally you already have some familiarity with the player and john hackworth is a soccer mind that i have so much respect for and if he sees durkin as a great viable option in st louis and especially with what they gave up for him i certainly think uh that if the move gets finalized officially that it will be a good one
1: yeah, uh, and that's uh, are we just waiting for that? Do we think that that's, it, is, it is literally just a formality to come, or what is the, what is the uh, pause there?
8: Yeah, typically every sport has kind of that one beat writer or somebody who's kind of in the know, you know, your are of the world um, when it comes to the NFL. Well, Tom Bogart is that guy for, mm-hmm. for the MLS, and he has reported that. Um, so once that happens, it feels like that, those conversations are already done. It's really just signing the paperwork, and there's really no rush. Um, and i 'll go a step further in terms of this signing with durkin there's there 's a possibility that Jabul Blom could make the South African national team for the African Cup of Nations. then you don 't have him for two months now it is the very early parts of the season, but with CONCACAF playing next year you 're really going to want as many players as possible, um, given the extra tournament the extra games so uh, more midfielder the better, the more the merrier really across the board so So a good move in my opinion
1: it was a kind of a slow. Uh, finish to the season, the end of the regular season and, of course, the playoffs, is there is there something that St. Louis City does uh, to avoid that this year or to, uh, this year in the coming years?
8: I really don't think they change much, mm-hmm. and I think that's, uh, I don't think it's an ego thing. I don't think it really is just a confidence thing. I think this was supposed to be a two- to three-year development plan from Lutz's perspective, from Bradley's perspective, and the whole organization's perspective. That's how they modeled this team. And they've always been anti-big name, right. anti-big signing, anti-big salary. They really want to keep that, um, at least for the the cohesiveness of the locker room, they want to keep that in check um, with their market. And they had this detailed plan. Now, I think they overachieved, certainly at the beginning of part of the year, and you're almost a slave to your own success. And I think our fan base, fortunately, it will and has been very patient with them despite the lack of success late in the season. Um, but I think it's, you're, nothing changes as far as the long-term plan. They're sticking to their plan. Do they want to add a bit more creativity? Perhaps. Do they want to add some solidity in the defensive midfield? They look like they've done that. So right. it seems like everything they've planned on doing is – continuing to go forward even Jensen who's playing out in Europe right now looks like his development is going through so they still have pieces there that that could offer creativity but as far as any moves I think if they had one on the board a year and a half ago it's still on the board now I don't think they've added anything after what happened last season
1: very cool Daniel Esteve from Fox 2 with us here on Sports Open Line on a Friday night let's uh, switch a bit uh, the Missouri Tigers football side of Missouri Tigers uh going to play in the Cotton Bowl against Ohio State.
2: Oh, what a yeah. season,
1: right? Like what
8: Absolutely. Yeah, like it has to be one of the best better stories in college football. I mean, honestly, it's man, it's just it's refreshing to see the expectations be so low and then obviously exceed them. And then even when the hype was there for Missouri, I think Tennessee was such a staple of a game throughout the season. Unfortunately, the only game I covered in person was the LSU game, which was (laughs) was tragic. But now looking back, it seems like that game probably wouldn't have had that big of an effect on us because that one lost Missouri team doesn't get into the playoff either. So I think this is best case scenario for Tigers right now, aside from, from going undefeated. And it just provides... Just that extra belief in the Eli Drinkwitz project because you saw his pedigree coming in. Obviously, Appalachian State, not really the biggest contender that you want coming over to Missouri, but you saw the vision. And then year after year, you saw a bowl loss. You saw seven a 7-7 seven record. Hey, you can't even get over a 500 record. Are we really going to stick with this guy? Recruiting class, COVID, et cetera, et cetera. Finally, you have this culmination of things hopefully coming together, and they do. And now you have your 10-win season. You have your first Cotton Bowl since 2013 when they beat Oklahoma State, which is a very important game in my life because I was making a college decision at that time, and I watched that game. And when they won, I was like, shoot. That seems like the coolest <laughs> school to be at. I want to go there, and I ended up in rowing. Did
1: you have so, the hats uh, all lined up on the uh,
8: You know, the I, I don't think I was that important. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think the fans were interested in my decision at that point. Um, but, no, it was, it was an important game for me, so much so. Um, I don't know how many people know this. My mom's side of the family is actually from Columbus. So I grew up a diehard Ohio State Buckeye fan. And so my mom, before I even asked Martin Kilcoin if I could cover the game, had already bought tickets to the game. So my whole family will be in Dallas. I'll be down there covering the game for two days, and, uh, and we're looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Wow. that's uh, Where where do the
1: allegiances lie right now?
8: <laughs> hey, I'm an unbiased journalist, Joe. Come on okay. now. You know this. You know this. <laughs> no, no. I think, uh, I think it means more to Mizzou right now. I think it means more to Mizzou. Um, you know, I think the McCord decision, it looks like he may be going to Nebraska, which is bizarre. Um, I doubt, you know, Maserati Marv plays, um, out on the outside. So, so I think Mizzou needs to perform to kind of solidify their status as a, as an important team, especially moving forward. Um, and I hope they bring it and I'd like to see them bring it. That's the best I'm going to give you, Joe. That's the best I'm going to give you.
1: Because Ohio state couldn't do it against Michigan, which is why this means more for Mizzou.
8: Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I would hope I would hope that Ohio State would, would bring it in the Cotton Bowl. And the players that do play, I think they're going to come to play. Um, and I think any win over Ohio State would be a big win. Of and course. Ohio State knows that any loss isn't going to be taken well in Columbus, Ohio. So it'll be a great competition. I think both teams, um, with what they can offer, uh, should be a pretty fun one to watch.
1: Okay, last uh, last couple of minutes here, uh, Daniel Esteve with us from Fox 2. I have to ask you the return of the border war, Mizzou basketball and Kansas mm-hmm. getting together tomorrow.
8: Yeah, I'm so excited. I was there at the game last year and, and it was disappointing, especially because I think Grady Dick started off like six for six in the field mm-hmm. was non-existent in the second half. And Mizzou still got blown out by 30. Um, but this is one of those games where I think Mizzou right now they're in everyone's so excited about this recruiting class next year. And and is so looking forward to that, that, They're almost forgetting about this season. And right now, aside from one really, really bad loss, they have improved game in and game out. So result-wise, I don't think you put a lot of that into an away game against the number two team in the country. But the history of this game, if you get any kind of performance or really take it to Kansas in any way, shape, or form, I think that can really draw attention back. To this team, this group of randoms that they put together, um, Coach Dennis Gates talking about it at media day. I mean, you're talking about ten plus players that are brand new to the program. If they can get that cohesion bought in, I mean, man, that's going to be fun the rest of the season, especially heading into SEC play.
1: When you you were taught, you talk about uh, Mizzou basketball improving this year. I I would contend that I feel like last year was an overachievement for them as well. That this that the Dennis Gates uh, sort of plan was last year anyway bring in some recruits let's get some wins i don't know that anybody thought they were going to do what they did um and i so i expect a little bit of a downturn this year
8: yeah absolutely oh my gosh when you talk about st louis city sc overachieving this season of course the historic implications crazy but mizzou basketball last year was wild Uh in comparison and uh The only difference, though, between last season and this season is, well, now you set that semi-expectation of, man, Dennis Gates, he's the truth. This guy's going to take us to new heights, which he very well could, and you should believe that because you always want to back your coach, um, especially somebody as deserving to this point as Coach Dennis Gates. But there's a a big hole in last year's roster versus this year's roster, and his name is Kobe Brown. (laughs) What he did specifically in the physicality of the SEC – cannot go unnoticed, and I just don't know if this team has that imposing figure that can intimidate and take it to an SEC team like we did last year. But, of course, I'm hopeful, and we've got a lot more shooters on the outside, which is Dennis Gates' style this season versus last. Sean East is playing better. So you never know, and why why bet against Coach Dennis Gates at this point, given the fact that last year he did overachieve with a team nobody expected anything from.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, I, and I and I I certainly didn't mean to to I wasn't saying anything in that regard. I just think that it's more of a long term plan, and last year just sort of uh, was it was a bonus to that. Is is really kind of absolutely. my point because I I do yeah. believe as you do, I I think Dennis Gates is the right guy for this, and and the recruiting class at least. On paper, looks like that as well, and I think that it is going to be. A, I think we're going to look back, and it's going to be a good hire for Mizzou.
8: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. I'm speaking to, uh, let's say, those uh, SEC sports fans uh, that are maybe quick, right. quick on the tweet, quick on the tweet. So, uh, yeah, I think it's it's patience both both for Missouri basketball. It took patience for Missouri right. football. You yeah. talk about a great case study there. And, uh, and man, city, city may fall into that category too, except expansion teams in year two have seen a lot of success. So maybe, uh, maybe city could be seeing a lot of success next year too, as well.
1: I fully, uh, well, I mean, I expect it to be, I don't, don't, even if they don't win the West. I mean, I think this is, I think they've got a a plan in place as well. Uh, Daniel, I, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for, for catching up on a Friday night here and chatting some sports. And I know we'll do it again.
8: Hey, anytime, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate you. That
1: was great. Daniel Esteve from Fox 2. We are coming back to wrap up our number one of the Graybar Sports Open line. We'll do that after this. I'm Joe Potin for Matt Pauley on Camo X.
0: As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at Hero.co.
1: It's that time of year. Cash the Ticket, Jim Costa with Mike Valeni. We shift the focus from football to college hoops, getting us ready for the tournament where we're going to break down all the matchups and have an eye on some future plays too. Search Cash the Ticket on the Odyssey app or wherever you
8: get your podcasts.
1: open line on a Friday night. Joe Pot in for Matt Pauly here tonight. Happy you are with us. Happy to be with you. Uh, Good conversation so far. Talking a little baseball. Talking a little, well, soccer, basketball, football. Everything that comes with it from Daniel Esteve. So glad to hear from him. Glad to hear from Lynn Worthy of the Post-Dispatch. Plenty more to come next hour. Also, we'll get into uh, some Billikens basketball. They have struggled um, at times this year. It has not been yet, I think, uh, a great season, I would say, for St. Louis. They've lost the last three, and we'll talk with uh, the voice of the Billikens, Bob Ramsey. Of course, you hear him here on Camo X with uh, Earl Austin Jr., so we'll talk with him about that. And we can get into other stuff with Rammer as well, because that's one thing that Rammer can definitely do, so he can chat about a lot of sports, so we'll do that. They've got a game coming up tomorrow afternoon. They've got Hofstra at Chaffetz Arena, so we can talk about that game also. Jen Cease will join us in uh, later in the 7 o'clock hour as well. You hear her here as part of the St. Louis City Soccer Report with Nate Gatter. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, hosted all uh, summer long, all season long, really, on Sunday evenings, Sunday afternoons, as uh, time permitted, depending on game time. So we'll chat with her. See what the offseason looks like for her as well. You also hear her, obviously, on City Games as part of the broadcast crew on the sidelines at City Games. So we'll do that coming up in our last segment as well. I want to uh, listen in a little bit to a couple of cuts from last night's countdown to opening day. And, uh, of course, you hear that now on Thursdays during the uh, off season, so leading into spring training that is, I believe it's Thursdays that they have that every Thursday. And Matt Polly, Mike Claiborne host that. They've got tons of guests on. It's literally the spot for Cardinals news as we approach spring training. And it's it's it seems crazy to say, but we are approaching spring training. We are approaching all of the actual baseball things, but they they will constantly have great guests on whether it's from the club, from those covering the club, anything that it comes from Cardinal baseball or even baseball in general, Mike Claiborne and Matt Pauly are going to have you covered on the Countdown to Opening Day show. Uh, Katie Wu, the athletic reporter, the beat reporter from the Athletic, she was on last night, and she talked about uh, lots of stuff, obviously, uh, which, by the way, you can hear on the Cardinals Conversations tab on CamoX.com. so if you missed anything, it's all right there, We put it all together, so it's an easy spot to find. But she talked about the acquisition of the three starting pitchers the Cardinals
2: have made. The fact that Mo and the Cardinals front office were able to get three starters via free agency, and one being Sonny Gray, who was their preferred top target all along, all before December 1st, I thought was a great sign for the organization and a positive sign for the fan base because the Cardinals can sometimes I don't want to say be reactionary, but they do wait for the market to be established and then pounce. So they don't necessarily overpay or things like that. They're not a cheap organization, but they are relatively conservative, but finding starting pitching and finding the guys they wanted was so important that they set the market. And that was really interesting to me.
1: Uh, she Katie Wu there following up with what Lynn worthy said in our first uh, interview tonight, the same kind of thing, like the Cardinals went out and made those moves to improve their standings, their leverage. And as Katie said, they sort of set the market, at least with those first couple of moves. And uh, it took her by surprise a little bit, but in a good way. Now she talks about what they need in the bullpen.
2: I think the bullpen, again, leaves plenty to be desired. There is a lot, there are many young players, you know, Zach Thompson, Matthew Libertor, Jojo Romero, that can come in and relieve if necessary. But the Cardinals are going to operate with Thompson and Libby in spring training and stretch them out to start. Um, You're looking at Ryan Helsley when he's healthy. He's one of the most dominant arms in the league, but availability is a trait. And Helsley isn't available all of the time. Giovanni Gallegos, down here. Um, I do think the Cardinals are very confident in his ability to bounce back, but I think you need a high leverage arm to pair with those two in your eighth and ninth innings. And uh, you hope that some of these younger guys, again, Jojo Romero, maybe Gordon Griceffo, a name to watch in spring training can fill those middle innings, the 6th and 7th. But if I'm looking at revamping the bullpen, I'm trying to find at least two high-leverage arms.
1: I like that, and I really actually, uh, I even liked JoJo Romero at the end of the games uh, when they used him there before um, the end of the year. I, I really liked Jordan Hicks at the end of the games before they had to unload him, before they traded him. But I would absolutely agree, and specifically because you cannot count on the availability of Ryan Helsley. I I worry that you can't count on the availability of Ryan Helsley. That would be my biggest knock on him. As she said, he has done well when healthy, but I also feel like if he has to pitch more than an inning, it's going to cost you for the rest of that week or for the next couple of days. Uh, It was rare to see him go back-to-back days. So those kind of things worry me about Ryan Helsley at the back end of your bullpen. And I also, too, would like to see a high leverage uh, reliever, someone else in that bullpen that's really going to bolster what the Cardinals bring out of the pen after what at least right now looks to be a fairly deep starting rotation. Again, if everybody is healthy and everybody is there, you you appear to have a deep starting rotation. So next hour, we're going to talk to uh, Bob Ramsey coming up in the 7 o'clock hour as well as Jen Sees. So we'll talk uh, all of those things Lots more St. Louis City, lots of St. Louis Billikens, all of that coming up. Sports open line here on a Friday night. Joe Pot in for Matt Pauley. Come back after the news for hour number two after this.